This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to let you all know that I will be back in Jacksonville for the Donna Marathon weekend, which is the first weekend in February. Also, I know the same weekend as the Olympic Trials Marathon. Uh, The Donna Marathon, the half marathon of the marathon is Sunday. So that's a day after the trials. And they are doing a really fun win a trip. So you can win a trip to the Donna Marathon weekend. So this is a trip to win a VIP experience at the Donna Marathon weekend set for February 2nd to February 4th in the beautiful Jacksonville, Florida and the Jacksonville beaches. The package will include a three night hotel accommodation at the Courtyard Jacksonville Beach Oceanfront, the official Donna Marathon weekend host hotel, two race entries and exclusive VIP race weekend events, including but not limited to the Donna Friday VIP reception and Sunday VIP marathon viewing party. So make sure you go to breastcancermarathon.com slash win2024 slash to enter to win. That will also be in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. And um, I will be at the Donna Marathon. I should be running the half marathon and we will have an after party that Sunday at the Sandbar. So I will be staying through Monday and I hope to see you there. So come for the whole weekend in Jacksonville or you can do what I'm doing. I'm going to check out the trials and then I'll be over there to run the race. And if you do want to run the race, use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, one zero for 10% off your registration of any of the races. This is truly one of the best weekends of the year every year. The Donna Marathon supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people walking through a breast cancer diagnosis. And it is, it's the best group. You got to be there. Breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10 to get 10% off your registration. Okay. Today on the podcast, Andy Weeding is my guest. He's a two-time Olympian. He was in the Olympics in the 800 in Beijing in 2008, and he also ran in 2012 in London in the 1500. He went to the University of Oregon, competed professionally for Nike, ran with the Oregon Track Club. In 2018, he retired, and he now works as the operations and content manager for OAC with On Running. They have a great group of incredible athletes over there, including Joe Klecker, Alicia Monsoon, Sage Herda, Josette Norris, and they actually just recently brought on a new assistant coach, Kelsey Quinn. They are coached under Dathan Ritzenheim. And in this conversation, we talk about Andy's career as well as what he's doing now. And this is a fun one. This is a really fun episode that I hope you will enjoy as much as I did. All right, everybody, today on the podcast, we have Andy Weeding on the show. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is uh, to be fun. How's it going? How is everything ongoing? And oh, wait. I heard you have some new news. You're going to be a dad. Uh, yes, I, I am going to be a dad. Yeah, expected in April. That is so exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, it. I mean, uh, I don't, do you have kids? Yes, 
I have. You do. Four. <laughs> four. Oh, you four kids. So I, okay, by the end of this podcast, I'm gonna be grilling you on like all the advice. Well, but no, yeah, I, I, I saw you're having a boy, and I have all boys, so. Oh wow! So yeah, let's just shut this off and like get to the parenting conversations because <laughs> that's I've got so many questions. Oh good! I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited. I think yeah, it was funny because we we had ta- kind of talked a lot in circles about potentially having a girl, and uh, I was like, well, let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. And then the boy thing came out, and we were both happy to you know. As, as you you know you are but uh, I think I'm sure you can attest it's like having a girl is kind of a hope in at some point um, but I was also like knowing myself in my childhood oh god no I don't want a boy <laughs> what's your sibling situation do you have siblings I'm the oldest uh, I've got a middle I have a younger brother younger sister okay yeah I mean maybe you'll maybe your next will be a girl though I don't know it's pretty loud yeah. and chaotic and physical and violent in my house on the daily. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that no, doesn't I, my, mean that's your future though. Well, I, I like to, I hope not, but now my, my, my wife's got two older sisters. I have two boys each and we went to tell them all the news that she was pregnant and all four boys were like beating the living hell out of each other. And I was <laughs> like, Oh God, please give me a girl. <laughs> and so she's adding a fifth one to the pile. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Yeah. Do they live close? They're in Maryland, so uh, quick flight. Okay, cool. Um, well, very exciting life transitions all around. Mm-hmm. What does your wife do? Uh, she's a personal trainer, so okay. she's got yeah a crop of clients that she kind of helps with their their fitness goals in life, and um, yeah, I think started kind of grassroots style, and now she's grown to almost thirty clients. So she's oh, cool. doing yeah doing really well. Anyk Fitness, so I'll plug that one. Okay, and in uh, Boulder. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing at OAC. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, well, it's kind of funny. The, uh, the OAC was crafted about three years ago. Um, and I came on, uh, four years ago and it was the initially the first idea we had was like, look, we've got a running brand. We really want to kind of get into like the professional running space and kind of push that, that agenda, um, and kind of build that validation within the on brand. Um, then from that came the OAC. Um, and we found Dathan Ritzenhein, who is just this, this perfect fit. He just loves the sport. He's incredibly dedicated. Uh, he has a passion for it beyond all belief. And, uh, from there we found Joe Klecker, Alicia Monson, George Beamish, Ollie Hoare. And like, we could not believe the, the slew of athletes that we kind of cropped together to start this initial thing. Um, and, we kind of targeted 2028 LA Olympics as like, you know, that's going to be the big hoorah when this team really shows up and becomes a notable thing within this space. And uh, when you know it, a year later, we had five Olympians across yeah. uh, was it five different, uh, five different teams. And then national records started to follow. And then like, you know, Yard Nagoose joined us, Mario Garcia, Romo, Sage Herder. Like this whole team just started to build on itself. And, uh, I think we all did not anticipate the, the intensity in which this team's popularity grew. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, how are things at OAC? Things are going pretty well. So <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. So you're the operations and content manager. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, so when you said we found like Dathan, so you were on before Dathan? 
Uh, I was at on, yeah, well, yeah, I was at on started like August 2019. And then okay. we started talking to Dathan in early 2020. Um, but I, I knew Dathan for, for years prior, just through, through the running community and as professionals ourselves. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm super curious. So you retire in 2018, uh, two-time Olympian. Did you know when you retired, like, I want to stay in the space of the running industry space? Oh, no, no. I, I, I retired and I was like, let's go do anything else. Okay. And, I, and I would encourage that with anybody in any professional sport. If you've, you've dedicated yourself to that extreme, just take a few months, year, whatever it is, just take some time to step away from that commitment. Because I think the professional side of all sports is an, an unbelievably dedicated life. And I think you really commit to something 24 seven, you need to step away and have like a refreshing time. And so no, I retired and I, I went down a couple of different avenues, kind of creating content for smaller brands like picky bars. And I oh, working yeah. with a little, little bit with Red Bull just to kind of try different things. Um, and then I, I, I helped co-start the, the track, track Landia series. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like kind of fun, like that kind of pulled me a little bit back into the sport on a little different perspective and creating outlets and entertainment, which I thought the sport could really use. So it's the kind of an entertainment value of it's not so much running related, but like the personalities and character behind it all. Um, and then after about a year and a half of kind of chasing different avenues and, and actually I got into coaching, which I think was probably the best thing for me. And it was at the high school level where honestly, the passions are at their highest and the joy and love for what everyone's doing is like at the root level is at the high school running level. It was just completely revitalized my love for the sport. So sorry, I should say I started there and then jumped into the Tracklandia stuff. So it, it, it kind of refreshed my love for the sport to kind of dip tiptoe back into it. And ipso facto from Tracklandia, I kind of got to f- discover on and then OAC. And so that's kind of a big, long summary. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, the high school coaching piece is, was like the, the step away, but still be tangentially in the sport. Um, yeah, I would, I would encourage anybody to try and experience a high school coaching role. It's just it's an, a gobs amounts of fun. Mm. I heard you talking about that when I was prepping for this interview, and I honestly immediately started searching high school cross-country coach jobs in Raleigh, North Carolina, because <laughs> I was like, that does sound so fun. Like, I, you know, I remember my high school cross-country and track, and, like, there's just something so special about that group. I'm curious for you, because um, you started, you were a soccer and basketball player, right? Yep, I'd say more soccer than basketball, but yeah, I definitely found my running off the soccer pitch. Surprising, because you're 6'5"? Yeah, 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 I was really good at the headers. Yeah, <laughs> um, but when you went to coach in high school, like, what did you see out of those kids that you could look back and see yourself in them, or what was so inspiring about that? When I initially started running in high school, uh, it, it wasn't the discovery of running itself. It was the the joys and funs and the personalities within what we were doing that I really loved. Um, and I think I, I saw a lot of that as a coach. Like uh, the, the running world is fun, full of quirks and goofy and silly and like there's, there's not a lot of ego. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that. And like, 
I've, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a nerd at heart, and like you see a lot of a bit of nerddom that kind of comes around there too. And you just, it, there's just all of these kind of outcasty, fun, bubbly personalities that really connect and meld well. Um, and then I, I loved kind of masking hard work in ways that kids don't realize they're working. You know, so I, fun, gamifying work is always the the the, the goal, and it was so much fun because we do like uh, relays where you like I don't know. It was like, 200, 200 on, 200 off kind of deals, but you know, you do it in teams of three where they take a baton, they'd run 200, hand it off, and, and then they'd all kind of start to get somewhat competitive and you have to hold them back. And you're like, look, you're being competitive and you're getting like, your fitness levels going up and you're having fun. You don't even realize you're working hard. And so I'd find fun ways to do that, much like my coach did for me. And he gamified these different ways to kind of work hard. Um, and so, yeah, when I'd, I'd bring like Twister out, and we'd play Twister and call it core work. Uh, and so uh, doing all these different things, don't let your butt touch, gotta keep your butt off the ground, like firing your glute muscles and like, yeah, you don't even know it. So that was, that was that to me was so much fun finding, just watching these, these personalities just being silly and goofing off together and working hard and they didn't even know it. Uh, you're gonna be a really fun dad. Oh, you think so? <laughs> yeah, I do. You're gonna be playing Twister with your kids. Oh, my um, kids are going to be playing Twister with me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, gamifying things. It's wild to me, and I know this happens with running more than other sports because other sports you have to have, like, the ten technique, right? Like, mm -hmm. as far as, like, if you want to become a gymnast or a really good tennis player or a basketball player. But with running, it's like you find your speed and you go and you work on all that stuff later. I just find it so fascinating that you find run that you're really good at running when you're how old? Uh, I was like 17, I think. 16, Which isn't 17. like that old, but when you're talking about professional sports, other sports, you have to have had specialized, you know, for five, 10 years by then. When did you know like, okay, but this is more than just like, I'm good. I could probably be an NCAA champion and then maybe an Olympian or I, vice versa. You were an Olympian before an NCAA champion, weren't you? Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I never really Which thought about great. that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. No, I, uh, it's funny. I, my, my story is a little kind of an outlier to some degree, just cause I, I didn't know the sport. I didn't know what Olympian meant. I, yeah. I barely knew what NCAA champion meant. I was like kind of from the cuts of Vermont where, you know, you're skiing and snowboarding and all the winter stuff is what people kind of like uh, okay. eye up. So I, I was kind of, uh, I didn't really start to believe in the, the talent and skill level I was starting to achieve until maybe my sophomore year. Um, of and college. yeah, of college. Uh, and it, it, it was only because other people were talking about it and I was in the environment where NCA champion was a priority or pack 10, well at the time pack 10 champion was the priority and like conference and all, the, the buzz of what was important was starting to come around me. Um, and the Olympian thing, I, 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 I talked about it actually in high school as being a 5k Olympian in 2012 in London, oh, wow. um, purely off of the without limits movies with Prefontaine. And I was like, I'm going to do what he did, but uh -huh. in four years time, you know? So, but no, it, it didn't start to get real. I think until about midway through sophomore year where I started to, to really recognize, Oh wow, I can close races pretty strongly i've i've got a, some times that seem to be the chatter and like my name's popping up on websites and it's like the community is talking and i'm like okay i guess i guess this is probably pretty good i should probably 
start getting serious here, but I, the, my, my inability to be serious, I think is the reason why I had so much success. It's just Mm. keeping, keeping it simple, having fun and leaving the stress on coach. (laughs) (laughs) Not too much pressure. Um, what do you think about those external things? Like seeing the names on the message boards and things like that. Like how did that fuel you to say like, okay, I guess, I guess I am a, a deal here. Like I can do, do this. I, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting kind of thought process when I think about it. Um, like when we're kids and we go through high school and stuff, I, you see and idolize a lot of these celebrities and athletes and like, and you're like, Oh, I want to be famous and make billions of dollars and be rich and this stuff. And like, so when, when you first see your name pop up on, in like the local newspaper or on like a running like community website and you're like, Oh, this is it. I I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm starting to do that. And like, it really gets you excited. Um, and when you start moving into, and hopefully every kid gets this opportunity to move into from kind of that dream to partial reality, um, you start to realize it's not always good. And mm. there's a lot of chatter that's, you know, you might have a lot of support, but there's also going to be the negative piece. And, mm. Uh, I, I was, frankly, I wasn't ready for that because when we're, when you're young, you're, you're watching all of the glitz and glam and you just assume it's all good and full of this like support and love and fame. Um, and again, I, this is running and it was not a Tom Cruise of sorts, but it was <laughs> on a minor, like, you know, low, low level. Let's run feel. fame. Yeah, there you go. You know, on a lower <laughs> level. Um, so, but I, I definitely came back like when I made the Beijing team in 08, it was like full of all of this, yeah, glitz and glam. You came back and that first race on the track doesn't set a PR, you, you barely win or you, you know, it's not the most sexy thing that happens in running. Um, suddenly everybody goes shifts from, oh, he's the best there ever was. Oh, is this guy really that good? And then like the pendulum of positivity and negative, like in, in, at the, at, at, on a top end scale swings so quickly from result to result. And I got sucked into like, Oh, my name's on a website to what are people saying about me? Oh my gosh. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. And if, uh, if you, you let yourself get sucked too deep into that, it can really just affect how you train your focus, your ability to stay positive and like, a good workout being good to like, it needs to be great. And your, your complete expectation of how you want to approach everything about your career changes. Um, and I started to slip into that nasty downhill spiral and I'd like talk to coach and he had to talk to me. We did. I, I mean, I'd like breakout moments on the track or right? this is in college, right? Start crying. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And so, but you know, it, it, it definitely, it definitely changes your whole your whole world a little bit when you start feeling pressures, exterior pressures. Um, but it's a matter of finding your 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 people um, and the people you, you love and you care for that they'll support you through it all. Um, and I kept looking in the wrong direction, and I, you know, message boards and uh, reporters and press those are not your people. Um, that their their job is to make the sport really entertaining mm. and. They do their job, but it can be pretty at the expense of people's personalities and who they are. Um, and so I kind of 
looked the wrong direction. So I found my people. Um, I found where I can put my energy and where I can receive that back and uh, kind of shifted my perspective a bit and changed my expectations. Uh, and it just, you change your expectations and you lower the bar for yourself and you don't keep it so high all the time. And you can really change the way you have fun and the passions for what you do. All right, friends, this episode is supported by LifeStacks MCT. This is the most nourishing thing to add to your morning coffee. It's a delicious MCT creamer packed with functional science-backed adaptogens that deliver smooth, long-lasting energy. It cuts through fatigue and boosts mood and vitality, especially when training hard. I like to use it for focus on my interviews. I will have a cup of coffee with LifeStacks right before an interview, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. As athletes, we are all super careful about what we put in our bodies and LifeStacks MCT has the highest quality standards. They're manufactured in the United States in a GMP and NSF certified facility to ensure purity, potency, and safety. All right, they have chocolate, vanilla, and hazelnut. My favorite is the vanilla and you can save 15%. So just go to Amazon and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout and that'll save you 15%. Again, that's LifeStacks MCT. Use the code Lindsay15 for 15% off. I want to acknowledge that a 6'5 Olympian in the 800 was crying at a practice to his coach because I think that's important like for young men to like know that and see that even through your success. I... I recently read the book Raising Emotionally Strong Boys, you know, going back to our beginning of our conversation <laughs> that I have four <laughs> boys and you're going to have a boy. Um, and I think it's just important for people to hear like someone in the midst of their success that is a man, like you still are feeling those emotions and also sharing those emotions with your coach. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was a different time. Um, I don't think I mean, at the time, like the mental health and like the the well-being of men at the time was not talked about so much. Uh, And so, you know, crying and showing vulnerability was often looked at as kind of like a weakness. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I have since I mean, I've done the work and kind of looked at it and seen myself in different lights and been like, hey, you know, this needs to be acknowledged and talked about because men should be able to cry without feeling yeah. like it's a bad thing. And like, you should be able to talk about things that upset you without feeling like you made, you're at risk of being made fun of. But, um, yeah, at the time it was very difficult. You had to kind of tighten it all up and just be this stoic figure all the time. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very normal to, to cry and break down, have hardship and, and to be able to show that is, is very normal. Did you get the support you needed from your coach? I did. Yeah. Vin, Vin was, uh, very good at, at listening and hearing the struggles I was, I was dealing with. Um, and he, he was often very good at articulating the hardship into a better perspective for mm-hmm. me. Um, and then, cause at the time I just put it all on my own shoulders and he just said, you know, look, you're looking in the wrong directions for, for validation and you need to, trust in the people you care about and know that's myself and your teammates and your family and friends, they're not putting any pressure on you. And it's only coming from yourself and what you're perceiving as pressure. So I leave the numbers and all that to analysts that you don't know anything about, like leave the training with me, just show up and be competitive and simplify this game to be an understanding piece to how you do it. It's like, 
simplify it. Simplify Easy. it. Sim- yeah. yeah. Go work as hard as you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, so did you realize, like, when you became an Olympian at 20 in college still, like we had mentioned before even becoming the NCAA champion, which, by the way, doubled 815 NCAA <laughs> champion. Um, did you realize, because, like, you know, when you're in college, you're like, okay, what is the, like, highest thing? Become an NCAA champion, right? But then you became an Olympian first, and I don't know the stats, but there can't be that many kids in college that are actually becoming Olympians. Did you know, like, did you understand the weight of it? Oh, no. No, not at all. I, I, I uh, and I'm not, not to, like, I don't discredit the Olympic system, but I'd, right. I, I, I came from the Northeast where the winter sports were everything. And um, we didn't really, and to be fair, I didn't follow winter sports. Like I followed soccer and basketball and football and kind of, you know, bigger sports there. But I, so when the Olympics came into my bubble, uh, I still to this day, I remember finishing that race and being like, I, I know this <laughs> is a big deal. <laughs> I've been told this is a big deal, but I haven't been dreaming about this since I could uh, walk. And like, it hasn't uh-huh. been something I've been like chasing. So I, I felt almost like it, I shouldn't be here just because I haven't been dreaming about this as long as some people have. Um, but I, no, it, it, it never really, I never really understood the, how hard and how big of a deal it was until it started to get harder and more difficult for me to, to try and go back. So, yeah, I think the first time it was just, I always say I was just a kid having fun in the sport and I just happened to kind of run myself onto the highest stage. (laughs) Um, But I understand, I I obviously understand now, but with every year after, I understood more and more of like the weight of what it means to be an Olympian. Mm, Some guys on that start line were like, man, where'd this kid come from? What's he doing here? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, And I'm sure, yeah, some of them were very vocal about it. (laughs) Oh, man, I've been putting in so much time, and this kid comes up and makes the team. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, so then in 2012, you were on the team in the 15. Which mm-hmm. which event, like 800 or 15, which event do you do you prefer? Oh, 800. I, okay. I'll take, yeah, I'll take a two-lap race over 15, and not because it's a shorter race, but because it, it gives me less time to think a problem into it. Oh, sure. Uh, and so 15 there'd be moving around jockeying and you'd be like, should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? It's time to move. Mm. Let's move. That's not, nope, nope. And then you kind of can like get yourself caught in a pickle, but an 800, you've got time for one move and either it works or it doesn't. And you know, you should know your fitness level to know, okay, if I go, I'm going to die. I'm going to stay. And you you should know. So um, I just love like, like that, that war mentality. Okay. We're doing it. We're going. What's your, what do people know you as? Like what kind of moves did you make in your day? I was, uh, I was the sit and kick guy. I was like okay. the, the sit and kick king. Like, uh, and yeah, until Robbie Andrews came around and kind of nipped me at the finish line a couple of times, but it was, uh, I did watch was, one of those videos in preparation for you? this. Yep. Can't, yep. Just came in running up. I don't know. It was, um, I feel like it was a four way relay video. It's one of the first videos that pops up when you search your name. Robbie yep, Andrews that would be, out kicking you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Every sure April when. When Penn Relays comes around, that video always comes up. <laughs> Are you buddies with... Well, now Joe Seth's on the team. Are you buddies with Robbie? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. They live just down the street here, and they're they're great people, and it's great having him in town. I love Robbie to death. So it's uh, it's it's good because Josette comes in and out of practice every now and Robbie's he's coaching some of the the local kids around here as well. So uh, it, he's yeah, it's fun to see them kind of coming and going. Like, hey, look, you're making little mini Robbies. They're all gonna be sitting kickers. Don't you worry. Uh, <laughs> I um I love them together so much. He's like the way he talks about her career and just like being so excited for her success and what he like thinks and believes she's going to do is the sweetest thing ever. Oh yeah. He's well, he's without question her, her number one fan by, by a landslide. So when you ran professionally, you ran for Nike and now you're with on, obviously tell me like the difference in culture and just like going from the biggest, you know, the big guy to working with on yeah well it's it's interesting that just kind of seeing how time has changed things uh and kind of <laughs> the new players who've entered into the space and but uh, yeah I, when i was running like nike was the was the the lion like that was you know you wanted the lion on, and you want to be a part of that you wanted the lion on your team and nike was creating some of the most you know innovative products and uh, it was really cool to be a part of it um, but you know, like with, with any company that size, it's, you know, you're, you're one of a lot of athletes on that roster. So it was, uh, it was a very difficult, I don't know, for me, I, I did best when I, when I had passion in my corner and there wasn't pressure. Uh, and so I, I performed when I didn't feel people breathing down my neck. I was just like, kind of. Hey, we're just here to compete and have fun with the sport, and there's no pressures and all support, all support. And so, um, and and I'll thank Nike every day that they were with me. But there were definitely days where I could feel like, okay, I could feel the news getting a little tighter, or I was like maybe maybe not quite as um, as lenient some days, just based on the careers. And like again, like when you invest in an athlete, and now I'm on the other side of the fence and I see it, like that's mm-hmm. it's tough because like you invest in that athlete in their career. Um, and you want, you want to provide them all the resources to do well. And if they're not doing well, it, it's, it's hard from the business standpoint because you have to like, there's a finance behind it. And I, at the time I didn't think that way. I just thought, Hey, you, you trusted in me to do my job. And now I'm starting to feel like you guys don't believe in me a little bit. Like I'm, I'm getting a little, a little nervous and like, it's, I'm feeling the pressure when I run and it just kind of distracted me from you know, the joy of what this sport's about, but at the pro- professional level, there's a business side of everything and it just, it just changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, so Nike, I love the, the, the time, everything they did for me, but there was definitely a different dichotomy to it all as an athlete. So shifting to on, uh, I was very fortunate to kind of find this company and it's like infancy and mm-hmm. growing into this space. And um, they needed a little help figuring out, how to navigate the waters a bit. And I came on board with the athlete experience um, and now learning a bit of the, the, the business side of things uh, and building out their, their, their piece of the pie. Um, but my most, the most important thing I wanted to bring when I came over here was that if you support athletes to chase their passions and you don't add an element of stress and pressure, uh, the results can kind of take care of themselves. Um, because an athlete will always add, be, be, have the most pressure put on themselves by themselves. So mm. uh, if you add more to it, like the weight on the shoulders gets more and heavier and heavier. So I've just said, you know, like, 
we need to do our absolute best not to put pressure on athletes to perform. Just let them just navigate the passion of the sport. And if they're enjoying it and loving the process, as they, you know, you should, uh, the results will take care of themselves. And the coach, like Dathan, he's fantastic at building out the program and keeping the team culture just so, so innately positive. Um, and from the brand side, we just support, support, support. Um, and if things start to go awry or kind of, you know, there's things that look kind of out of place, we'll have the conversations. But there's rarely do we have to do that because – the professionals, they understand what needs needs to be done to get the results they want. So I, I've, I've kind of infused a bit of that into this program uh, and just kind of tried to keep it as fun and culture-based as we can make it. Um, and so I've really enjoyed being on this side of the fence. Uh, and I've taken what I learned as an athlete and brought that over and pulled out what didn't work in my experiences and just kept what did. And I think it's a recipe with Dathan's coaching and training and philosophies that seems to be working pretty well. Oh, so fun. I love this. I love this conversation. What is <laughs> like, um, what's the personality of on? Let me, let me explain more what I'm saying. Um, so I'm part of this other podcast called relay and it's, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like a, uh, there's like nine of us and we do group chat every Monday. And in our conversation this week, we were like pinpointing like who's what brand and I was like, I think I'm Hoka. I think you're, you know. And so I'm like, what is the personality of on? You know how Laura Green does those videos where she's like showing up to the sales meeting as the different brands. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, so what man. is on? Oh man, Ugh. this it's funny. It's, it's hard to figure this one out because I you think about like oh if you're Harry Potter, which is your character, which yes. brand is this character? You know, Formula One, which driver is this? And so yes. I'm like trying to think. How do you describe the on brand? Like, like we can't we can't pinpoint them to like a runner because like obviously you have your team of your runners, but like like who's the famous person that is like the on person? <laughs> but you can't carry, carry on with what you were saying. I interrupted you. No, 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 no. That's a great question, and I I've been trying to kind of build the on person. Um, <laughs> if they were to just like be standing next to me and be like, "Yep, that's on." Like, uh, I, I I like to think is on is kind of like this. Uh, they're they look very posh, uh, but okay. they're but they're very approachable. Okay. So, like, so you're like, I I think initially I'd be kind of intimidated, but uh. as soon as you start talking to this person, you're like, oh okay, you're actually you're pretty cool. Yeah, you're pretty okay. nice. And I think I'm trying to think like, would Chris Pratt kind of fit that uh. mold? Or, but because he's like, you know, he's this iconic looking guy, but all of a sudden he opens his mouth, you're like, oh, you're actually oh, you're pretty like easy funny. going dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, and I know that on, on's very clean cut and stylish mm -hmm. and they try and keep that sleek look. And I'm like, yeah. So like Chris Pratt may not have that sleek look, but I, I just think, okay, if that celebrity walked in, hmm, maybe it's like Keanu Reeves, you know, he's <laughs> sleek, stylized look, but very likable. You're like, okay, I could, uh -huh. all right, there you go. So that's how I see on. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, cause we were talking about on, cause I was like, it's on is so interesting right now. I, there's this like fancy shoe store up the street for me in the, in, um, this shopping center. And it's like, you know, like four or $500 pair of like, you know, dress up shoes, boots, things mm -hmm. like that. But then they've got this on selection, right? on the right-hand side. And I'm like, what's on doing in here? I, I asked the guy, I was like, do you own this store? I was like, tell me about this. What's going on here? Because <laughs> I come from like running shoe industry, you know what I mean? Like I mm -hmm. like going to specialty run store. So I thought it was so interesting that that, I'm like, and why is on the running shoe that you put in here? 
you know? Yeah, no, and, and that's that's a great question. And I think On's done a great job of like, positioning themselves as kind of the um, the upscale running shoe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like there's there's this element of fashion. And I think the the clouds is just like their shoe with the, the, the bungee strap on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like that was their their first on the map shoe that everyone's like, oh, okay, this is really cool. You slip it on and off, you're easy to go. And, and so it's like, all, from there, everything's evolved in this kind of, you can wear it with jeans, you can wear it with like a nice pair of uh, slacks, you can kind of wear them to formal, you can wear it, and they have this like really multifunctional pair of shoes that you can also like, you know, when the cops show up, you're out the door, and then you're good to go, and you look great, and you're out the door, so um, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, like, as like bringing your running expertise in your professional career to what you're doing with on like how does what you learned in your career as a runner play a role in all the things you're doing because you're not coaching you're doing the operation stuff so how do you mm-hmm. how does that play into that um yeah there's a, there's an element of operations and content so i'm kind of dual rolled at the moment um the operations side is more of like uh, okay what is some of the stressors i can potentially pull off their plates and kind of oh. manage a little bit. So that's, again, you can focus on training and like all of the running stuff that you need to focus on. Um, and the product and getting them what they need just to stay in motion. Um, and then the content side is kind of where I spend most of my time uh, is I think from my own career, I, again, I can't, I started when, Twitter and Instagram were start like just on the up and up and mm-hmm. nobody really understood how impactful social media was going to be. Um, and, and so I, I, but towards the end of my career, I was like, I can't, I can't put my phone down, run by, and then just expect that every time, you know, like, Hey, I'm in motion. See, uh-huh. I'm working out. And then all of a sudden it became clear. I needed to chase likes and all that stuff. So when I came here, I was like, okay, we need to figure out the content piece because I don't want athletes going on runs and handing off phones and be like, can you take photos of me and making that a, a piece in the back of their mind that they have to worry about. Because, mm. yeah, one less thing to pull or one more thing to pull off their plate. So we, we hired a, 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 a social uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? He's a, he's a content creator. Um, his name's Colin Wong. He's fantastic. He's, a, he's 20 years old. He's 21 next month. He's wow. just – eager and excited to be a part of this and he's gotten to know the team really well and uh he orbits the team and kind of like follows them or travels to meets with them and captures the moments and all the behind the scenes stuff and uh and i think transparency is the best model uh to a degree and uh, from what i experienced in my career you you saw teams and athletes with a lot of kind of hiding in the shadows for lack of a better analogy, I guess. And you just don't know what their life is like. And when they come out from behind the curtain, they put on this incredible performance and then they just disappear back in. It, it, it's just, you're left with so many questions and you're unfortunately the way the world is, your first thought in this sport tends to be negative and accusation and all these different things start to creep into people's minds. And I, I, I hated that because I just, obviously that we've have had our fair share of bad eggs in the sport, mm-hmm. but um, I, I just hated the fact that people would see some great performance and think, 
bad. That's not, yeah. that was not authentic. And so I was like, transparency, let's show people how it's done. And so I tried, I encouraged Colin to capture moments where athletes are doing the hard work and mm -hmm. showing personality and character and like bringing a lot more of who these people are and these athletes are out onto the, the stage and not behind the curtain. Cause what, that way when the performance happens, you're less likely to jump into an ac accusatory role and think, Oh, maybe instead of being accusatory, you think, I remember watching the video of Yard and the Goose playing Mario Kart. And I actually kind of related to that. And I want it now I kind of like it and I want to see him do well and succeed. Um, and those those content pieces, those little pieces that just get you a little closer to the athlete and make you appreciate them a little bit more as humans and less so as like just robots and heroes. It's uh, it, it makes you supportive and less kind of critical. Uh, and so that was, that's what I like to focus on is just creating more of those, sharing more of those moments that make these people human, that humanize them. Um, cause yeah, there's an all sport, um, at the highest level, the less you know about someone, the, the quicker you are to be accusatory. And yeah. uh, I've even, ca I've caught myself doing it like just with the NFL and things like that. And I don't know anything, but like, I try and bring as much transparency and energy that comes from practice I put that out to the masses so they can see we're an authentic team who does it right and has fun doing it and it's hard to dislike people who do that yeah how like that's changed a lot even I a mean lot. you yeah you retired in 2018 but like mm -hmm. you said when you were first starting out as a pro all of this was just starting right all mm -hmm. of the so I'm curious now, like some people like don't want their personality or they're quiet, they're shy. They don't want to be all over the internet. But I'm curious from a brand st standpoint, like how important is that when people are signing on with a brand, like how out there are you willing to be so that we can see more than just you running a uh, 355, 1500? Yeah, I think the, the, well, when, when it, when it pertains to OAC, um, the most important piece, I mean, after performance is kind of the cultural piece and it's okay to be like, not to be quiet, not want to be all over social media and in the public eye. That's, that's okay. Cause they're believe it. Like there are bits and pieces of people like that, that make them who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's finding those moments and those pieces that are acceptable to share. Cause I mean, forcing someone to be in front of a camera and be like, Hey, be you like that's just that doesn't work so it's it's the cultural piece to the team like do you fit in do you connect with the athletes that are already there are you invested in dathan and the training and the team culture the atmosphere getting coffee doing a barbecue things like that like does that entice you are you do you excited about being in in this team atmosphere or would you prefer to stay kind of hidden in a way and like those are things to consider when the recruiting process comes around but from a content and social media standpoint, you don't have to be flashy and all over the internet. Like we don't need that. It's just, we want you to be invested in the process that the team's about. We can find those honest moments and those little pieces. It's just a matter of kind of being, being patient and kind of letting us see and finding those bits and pieces. I mean, Yared, I think is my favorite because he's, he's very unauthentic. He's very authentically himself and uh. Uh, he's not quick to jump on social media to like be something he's not. He's very confidently who he is. And 
uh, we actually, when we recruited him, he's so nonchalant. We weren't sure if he was committed to the next level of running. And we had to have a follow-up conversation with him and be like, hey, is, are you sure this is what you want to be doing? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I realize I, I'm very casual and nonchalant all the time, but I, I promise you, this is something I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. And we're like, okay, cool. And as you can see, it's, it's very much played out. So uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's one of those guys where if you kind of sit and practice and watch and listen, there are so many little nuggets about who Yard is that you wouldn't know about just looking at his social media. He's just a very fun, funny guy to hang around with. All right. Listen up. Lagoon pillows. Oh my goodness. Lagoon is the best pillow I have ever laid my head on in my 39 and a half years of life. I have looked for good pillows for a very long time. And before Lagoon, I was settled on a higher quality pillow I got at Target. Uh, I, I mean, I've tried Tempur-Pedic. I've tried other brands and this is by far the best. I think because it's so customized. You fill out a two minute sleep quiz, okay? And whether you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a belly sleeper, however you sleep, these pillows are incredible. I have the Otter, my husband Glenn has the Fox. They are so perfect when you lay your head on them. And listen, if you want a more firm pillow, they have those options. If you want a more soft pillow, they have those options. And they even send you the filling so you can fill your pillow as full or as little as you want. It is truly customizable. And we all know that like sleep is so important. If you are not sleeping well and the thing that you are laying your head on is contributing to not good sleep, you need to fix it because we are all working really hard to pursue athletic goals and dreams and sleep is so important. So listen, go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y to get 15% off your order and just then come thank me for changing your sleep life because Lagoon is amazing. All right, friends, back to the show. How do you have fun with it? And I know you used the word gamify earlier when you're talking about the kids, but like, how do you be playful when you're working so hard and you're like trying to make these teams? The biggest thing that I took away from it all was uh, being cautious of how, how much you educate yourself. Uh, I think I was doing my best when I wasn't dissecting my workouts and questioning my mileage and all the recovery pieces. Like I wasn't getting overly educated it was just about trusting coach because um, and i've talked with dathan at length about this he knows i guarantee you almost everything you could possibly want to know about this sport dathan ritson knows about it um and if you're an athlete coming in like you can choose to want to know all that or you can choose to trust that he knows it and he'll give you that information at at in spurts or with what you need to know basis. And I lean towards the, the need to know side because if coach says go run a 225 seconds, uh, you don't need to ask why or what muscles mm -hmm. and what's the purpose. Like just trust that a man who's been through this much of this sport is giving you the right information. And so that is when I felt like the best results came. I just kind of kept myself naive 
Um, and then as things kind of later down the road, I'd start to look more into, into like how the week would be put together or how much mileage, what made the most sense, my VO2 max, my blood lactate levels, my nutrition, what I needed from morning to sun up, sun up to sundown. And I just, yeah, I got to the point where it's somewhat manic and kind of paranoia, where it's like, if you, if I eat too much of this, if I don't do that, if I don't sleep this many hours, it, you just, you kind of, you kind of ruin the fun and joy of what you're doing. Um, and so, yeah, I think choosing to stay a little naive to it can really go a long way. And the la- the other part to it, I would say too, is have a, have a hobby or have some hobbies, something to distract you. Um, I, I didn't have, I didn't discover much for hobbies until maybe later in my career. Uh, but like picking up the piano, um, or kind of drawing in my spare time or finding a book or two to read here and there, like something that just pulls your mind completely out of the sport. Cause, uh, the examples I give her like in college, like running is the outlet and school is the stress, right? And then you go to the professional level, running can't be the outlet and the stress. Mm-hmm. So you've, it, it's, it typically tends to be the stress mostly. So having the outlet of a hobby or something kind of helps balance you out a little. Um, and I've seen, I've seen athletes at the top end just who get manic and like well deep into it. And for some people, I think it works, but I, I encourage folks not to go that deep and trust, just put that kind of stress and tension on your coach and balance yourself out with something to distract you. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, does that answer, that answer your question a little bit? Yeah. But now I'm curious, like, did you teach yourself how to play the piano as an adult or did you like pick <laughs> it back up? Like you'd played as a kid. I, I picked it back up. I took all the weedings, took four years as, of piano as kids. And then the parents were like, Hey, you can continue on or you can stop. And we were all like, we're out. I'm uh, done with this. <laughs> yep. Four years. That was the commitment that they had you commit to. Yep. Yep. And it's funny as an adult, you look back and you're like, why did I stop? I should have just know. kept going. <laughs> I know. I, I, I have a hard time with this because my husband and I don't play instruments and none of our kids have been in any kind of music classes or anything yet. And I'm like, are we screwing up? Like, do they need to play instruments? Because my parents made us do piano lessons too. And I, I probably played it for around that four years or something like that. I was, it was one of those things though, where I knew you knew you weren't going to be very good. Like I knew I could read some sheet music, but I was like, you could just tell by me sitting next to like my friend Zoe and I could see, she just knew what to do with her fingers on that piano. And it was always more harder for me. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's, is that, is that a theme? And you tell me here, like, am, am I, I feel like I'm going to cro- like ask the, that question a lot. It's like, am I screwing up? Like, oh is that- yeah. 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 <laughs> I think the best advice or thing that someone has ever told me with that is like, it, it doesn't matter. Like you're still going like mm-hmm. whatever you did or didn't do before this moment. Well, it's passed. <laughs> and it's not over and you're still going. Cause there are definitely things I'm like, I would have done that differently, you know? For sure. Yeah. Well, in hindsight's 2020, right. And I even running in my career, there's always 2020 moments. So looking back, you can, you can always do everything, something a little bit better, but it's taking the time to appreciate what you did well. Yeah. When did you know it was time to retire? I know you struggled with some strings of injuries, but when, what was the day where you were like, this is I'm done. Yeah. There's, um, well, mid- midway through 2017, I, I'd 
was in pretty good shape. And I, I was like, I'm a 333, 34 shape, which at the time before the super shoe, you know, explosion, that was, that was a decent, that was a decent shape. So, uh, I think then I remember running USA's and it was an ugly race. I, I, I it was prelims and I kind of fell asleep for about 200 meters. And that was like the last 200 meters and woke up and it's just, it was like, Oh, I gotta go and just plowed over a bunch of people. And I got disqualified and I was like, this is, this is not how I wanted it to end. I got one more race in me. Come on. And I, I was, I was so sure that I'd run, go run like 333 and it'd be like this, just, just huge kick of energy. And I'd be like, yeah, all right, let's keep going. But uh, I ended up doing a workout. My calf kind of strained up and I just stopped and stepped off the track and was like, that's it. I, I, I've put myself and my body through a lot. And I just remember waking up morning after morning and like the walk to the bathroom turned into like a, you know, a, a jolly old walk to like a hunched over like trudge. And it's like, man, my, it, my body's not quite responding as it used to. And after one or two, like two, three, too many mornings of that, I was like, okay, I, I need a good race to kind of just put the fuel back in the tank. And instead I got an, uh, injured during a workout and it's like, okay, the writing is on the wall. And I think I've hit my, my highest goals and I think I'm ready to be done. And when the passions all start, the flame starts to dim, dim down, it, it just becomes time. Did it linger at all though? You know, when we make these like big decisions in our lives, like, is this the right decision? Do I want to do this? Or were you just um, that inj- that strained calf? You were just like it's over. No, I was sure. I you there were, in twenty. That's good. Yeah, in twenty sixteen, I, I took a road trip down the west coast and stopped uh, like during the fall and the the off season, and I I stopped at all these national parks. I went with my dog. I, I built a bed frame in the back of my truck, which was a five foot truck, and I'm a six and a half foot tall guy. That was yeah. <laughs> figure that puzzle out. And you sleep so, in a wall. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I had to sleep in an angle because it's the only angle I could fully extend but it was well worth it uh <laughs> we yeah uh, yeah we had a lot of fun um and then i kind of i got back and i was like okay i got i'm gonna give it a year i i think i've i was trading kind of on and off throughout and i got back so i'm i don't want to i'm 99 I'm in for another year and i think if you're not at least 100 percent, it's it, it could start to like erode at you and i think i was each workout was kind of like 99.1, 99.2, 99.3. And I was like almost at that hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm so back into this. And then like, I, by the time that calf raised, it was like 99.9. And then it just completely collapsed. I was like, ah, I'm done. And it just became very clear to me. It's like, I just went through workout after workout, race after race. And just the results weren't quite what I was hoping. And I think that year was more of like, uh, hope that it'll just snap back in. And I think when, when the writing's on the wall and it gets a bit more clear with every day, you just, there's what, there comes a moment where it just kicks you in the pants and you're like, yep, I'm done. Mm. And I, I have not looked back since. And I, I don't really do a whole lot of running these days. Like you'll be lucky to get maybe two, three miles out of me a week, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happily outside of it. And I, I, I jump into the gym. I throw weight around and my wife yeah, is. I was going to say, my, yeah. What do you do to stay in shape? Oh, my wife's my trainer. We have an exchange of goods and services. It's great. I coach <laughs> her and running. She coaches me in the gym. Like, yeah, this is all part of the contract we signed. Oh, that's so good. And what's her running like? 
she she's got a very very unique story. Um, I've never met someone with more passion for this sport than her. Okay. Uh, she she didn't compete kind of at the higher levels. Uh, she's but she has the skill set and the engine for it. Uh, it's just. She had kind of uh, a bummer college career, co- college setup, and then the college coach didn't really take care of her well. And then she got this re- like wild foot injury that's you know, you're not going to walk again kind of comments from a doctor that led into like crazy rehab and a 2% success rate. And then she beat wow. the odds. And yeah, now, now she's like, you know, when you're told that and you beat the odds and you're back up and you're foot and running and whatnot, um, she has this love for this sport like, that I've, I've, unlike anyone I've ever seen. So, um, she took on marathoning. So oh, I, cool. an, an event I, you couldn't pay me to try. <laughs> so I've, and, and funny enough, I'm kind of, I was coaching her a little bit on how to do that. And we got her down to, she ran 237 or 230, wow. 239, 239. So. Where'd she run that? Yeah. Uh, Chicago. Oh, wow. When? Uh, 2012. 21 yeah last year i say not this year because she's pregnant <laughs> yeah no not this year no last year and we were oh, we were wow. shooting for shooting for the olympic trials and I, it was there like she had it um, i was like what, what time did you say she ran 239 oh 239 just two minutes yeah yeah just missed it um but yeah she she was well on her way there and then she got like a navicular stressy thing and we got a pin put in it and the surgery and it's not been the best recovery and so we're and then she got pregnant and so now it's like kind of prolonging and we're looking at 2028 which yeah so you know, she can do it i mean oh yeah she's, I mean, she's mid, 20, she mid, oh she's in her 20s yeah, yeah, uh, yeah well i just knew you were 35 so i assumed she was closer to her age. oh yeah she's got she's got all the time hey, in the world you did that thing again you did the, the ageist <laughs> thing <Let's> see <laughs> I I don't even know what she looks like. I just know <laughs> that you're 35. But I will say if she's what did you say she's 28? Uh 27. Well, and you know, you know us moms, we come back faster after we have babies. That's very true. Oh yeah. yeah. And I mean, the look at the marathon. Like the women who are crushing it right now are like well into their 30s. Yeah. And some in their 40s. Like Sinead yeah. Diver, like there are so many the Australian women especially I mean, they're like two of their fastest women are like 43, 44. It's crazy. Yeah. It's Lisa incredible Lisa Waitman and Sinead Diver. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, okay. Let's, let's end here before end a podcast with what is your advice to someone going through a life transition? So like, obviously you retiring from professional running to what you're doing now, but this could be advice for anybody transitioning out of college to working as a professional, you know. The life transition. Um, yeah, I guess it's, 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 I guess a lot of it is dependent on where and what you're transitioning out of. Um, but I, I taking time to reflect and figuring out what it is your, your skill sets are, what you appreciate, what you enjoy, um, is, is very important. Uh, I, I, I transitioned out of the running world into kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I explored different avenues. I tried something new and it was just like, um, being adventurous, I think is, is, is a big part of it. Um, and it's okay to take time to discover that and don't be quick to just jump into something because an opportunity presents itself. Like just know that, like, just be sure and confident that it's something you want to do. And if you don't feel like you want to do it, it's okay. Take a little more time to figure out if it's the right move. Um, what is the what is one thing professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? 
Oh boy, these are great questions, by the way. Um, I, I've thought about kind of, I don't know, I've got a very imaginative brain and yeah. uh, create lots of creative colors and juices flowing through there. And I'm tr- I've often thought about how do I, where do I, where can I put that? And like, I tried playing with like, you know, as a, as a runner, I was like, well, how I making some fun little videos and films and I had some great time with that. And it's like, okay, like, maybe it's a storytelling element. And I thought like, well, maybe, maybe it's worth considering like writing a book and mm-hmm. telling a story in a book of sorts. And I, I thought about, I'd love to write a book, I guess is what I'm, like, I'm getting at. And I think I'm not so much sure oh, that cool. my, my, and I think I, I talked, yeah, I talked to Dominic on the running effect and he told me, like, just, just write the book, man. And I was like, yeah, that's a commitment. Yeah. And it's, it's not something you sit down and just kind of do. Um, and from the authors I've talked to and people who have experience there, there's a lot that goes into something like that. Um, but I can't tell, I, I, I'm still not sure if I want to do like my own, like a biography, which I don't, I don't think I have a life that's like really that entertaining to read. It's just, it's a very simple, it's not, Oh, it's no twist or hook or anything. It's just, ah, you live this life, but I'd love to tell it in like a fictional kind of way, um, through characters and story building when like, you know, romance and drama and tensions and like goals and passions and chasing and like finding those kind of storytelling lines and I don't, watching shows and reading stories. I really love and fall into like the characters mm-hmm. uh, of that go into like uh, the, those kind of works of art. And so finding something along those lines would be a lot of fun. I mean, that's why you got to be on podcasts like this, because once you speak it, I feel like you're more will you're more likely to then go do it. Right. <sighs> It's true. That's true. I think words is the first start. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what shows you said you like watching the characters and reading the stories? Like, what shows are you watching right now? What characters are you watching? So I'm I'm taking my wife through Stranger Things right now. Okay. And okay. I uh, I've I've really lo- I just love all like first of all it takes great acting to sell a great story and all the actors do a fantastic job like selling these stories to to your audience and uh, I just the the drama behind it the mystery like the all this kind of stuff like oh man i'm sucked into this i need to know more and i I just i love that element of storytelling and then there's like the other side of the coin which is like the sci-fi stuff and i'm like i said i'm a nerd at heart and i love star wars so this this boy's getting a lightsaber for his first Mm. birthday more more for my own sake (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i love i love kind of like the if you dig into like the sci-fi world of star wars and star wars and all this all the storylines you find within that and just kind of building these worlds out like harry potter has similar you know all the worlds within that and so uh, i just i love following the characters and through these storylines but yes stranger things is the current show and like i love the breaking bad series Mm. and kind of a villain typically like should be villain that you can't help but kind of root for. And it's like, that's really well done. Great writing by Vince Gillian and the team. Like that was really fun to follow. So the, again, I, I'm a, I love shows. I love all the movies. I, I get sucked into all those stories. So yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm floating around right now. Did you um, watch better call Saul? I did. I did yeah, just actually good. finish that. Oh, you yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I mean, I've watched breaking bad. I feel like it was like, 10 years ago like it you know yeah. but better for yeah 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 but like and well and they, 
Better Call Saul is great because you just yeah. end up kind of watching it being like, oh, they mentioned that. I remember that in that the, the main series. I remember that from the main series, right? Yeah. If you're a true Breaking Bad fan, you watch Better Call Saul. You've watched that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, do you read what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, man. So the one of life's ironies is like I talk about wanting to write a book. But <laughs> it's, it's more because I like to watch the stories, yes. not read the yes. stories. I you know? That. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm not the most avid reader. Um, and, and my wife reads like a book, I'm like every other week or something she like does. that. It's, she reads like it's her job. It's incredible. I'm, I'm very envious of that, that, that trait, but I, I'm like just so sucked into the stories on the screen. Um, but the last book I read was actually a biography, uh, about formula one. Cause I'm like, uh, I'm an avid formula one fan and, uh-huh. I like the stories you don't see on the screen from that perspective. And so that like this book was all about the stuff that goes on off the track. And I think I really like formula one too, because there's an erasing element that I can kind of connect to the, like the, the drivers through that element. Yes. And, and like, you know, they all know each other and there's like this life that happens that nobody knows about. And which is much like, the running world like there's a life yeah. off the track that nobody knows about and so I, I was fun reading about the famous drivers and how so-and-so was shotgun on a beer and this guy was running through a wall and this guy was like you know these, these stories that kind of humanize them like, i love those kind of things you're like oh i idolize this guy but also he's here in this book kind of like falling asleep on a couch on a rough night you know uh-huh. you're like yeah, i love that stuff did you get into it when that series on Netflix came out or were you into it before then? I was into it before then. So I'd, okay. I've got a, a British father and he, he brought that over with him and uh, yeah, he pops it on every Sunday and watches the races. And I wouldn't understand it when I was a kid, but I just could see how excited he would get. And I was like, I think this is good. I want to yeah. keep watching. What's the difference? I, this is no question is a dumb question, but never. No, it feels dumb coming from me because I'm from Indianapolis and I've like, gone to the Indy 500 multiple times like what's the difference between like Formula One and like IndyCar do you know or like NASCAR like, all the different cars well yeah 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 well I know the Indy the Indy cars going like in an oval um oh, on these it's like the course but it's the car yeah. too right yeah and the cars are very different so there's like open open cockpit cars which are the formula Uh, one cars and uh then there's like in in cockpit cars which have you know the roof over your heads okay um and yeah they yeah the formula one has these like turns like pinpoint turns and different courses and versus the oval you know okay because i moved from indy where indy car was a big thing going to the indy 500 so fun we used to like ride our bikes from our house and like go to the race which is so cool and now I'm in North Carolina, and NASCAR is a big thing in North Carolina, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too familiar with NASCAR. Yeah. They've reached out to us for sponsorship a couple of times, which is a little outside of our demographic. For, but <laughs> for, for on. on, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's a, it may not be the target audience we're looking for, but it, you never know. <laughs> I don't know that that's the audience that goes into the shoe store I was just talking yeah. to you about. Yeah, I can't imagine a lot of NASCAR viewers are, are heavy runners. But, you know, yeah. again, I'm not maybe, one to judge. Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Ah, great question. Um, there's there's kind of uh, – I mean, there's a list of a few people. I mean, it's just dependent on when when you ask me. I guess yeah. uh, 
if you were to ask me when I was younger, I'd say uh, I would sit down with David Beckham. Um, Ooh, okay. And uh, just because he was, I was a soccer kid mm-hmm. and he was like the iconic soccer player. Um, yep. And I would have loved to hang out with him and the time Posh Spice because she was like the Spice Girls, you know, yeah. you're a little and kid. I, they're still married. Yeah. 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 I watched the documentary. It came out on Netflix. Go um, them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, and then like Jim Carrey has always been kind of like uh-huh. this, um, this hilarious figure of my life. It's just all of my movies that I, my favorite movies involve him from the nineties. Mm-hmm. He is hilarious. Uh, he's gotten a little different now, which, uh, I, yeah, I've not know. followed him recently. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you. No, it's all good. He, he's, he's gotten pretty introverty and. I guess meta is the word. I don't know. He's, I'm gonna he thinks Google on a different wavelength. I'm going to be Googling him as soon as we get off this interview, as, as <laughs> yeah. everybody else listening. <laughs> yeah. But no, I love Jim Carrey. Uh, but I, then there's also kind of like, um, I don't know, you like to sit down with some kind of uh, political person. Like Again, now I, I start to ask questions like the follow-up questions are, okay, is there, if I ask this person a question, do they have to answer like, the truth, period. Yeah. Because like, if I sit down with like Obama and I'm like, hey, tell no me what's in Area 51, I would like to know what's in Area 51. You know? Yeah, you need you need real answers. There's no line yeah. in these conversations. Exactly, right? And like, is there a book in the White House that tells you all of the secrets? Mm. And I'm t- pulling this off of National Treasure because I assume there's some sort of fact to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure. Um Chevy Chase? No. Uh, Nicholas no. Cage. Nicholas Cage. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm thinking National Lampoon's Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also a quality film. Yes, very quality. I th- and my oldest are finally, they're to the age where I can watch shows like that with them. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, that is fun. When your kids are big enough to, in- like, where you can actually enjoy shows with them and, like, laugh together, that is fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much like, so my, my manager has uh, three girls and mm. he's, he talks about how like watching Dumb and Dumber with them yeah. and kind of sharing those moments. Yeah, I'm trying to think National Lampoons and I've watched Harry Potter with them. There's lots of good stuff. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? I, um, I've started to recently um, bring a question into a lot of like a few things, like just things you do and throughout life. It's like the question is, is it worth your time and energy? Mm-hmm. Um, and the examples I like to give, it's like, you know, arguing at a sporting event, like so many videos come out of people fighting over sporting events. And you're like, is this really worth your time and energy? Like you're here to enjoy a show. Like, why are you fighting about whatever stupid thing you're arguing about? Like, road rage, uh, and in relationships, like, like, and across a multitude of different categories. It's like, is this worth your time and energy? Cause life is only so long and you've got almost so, only so much time to live and is what the time and energy you're spending on improving your life or hurting your life. Um, and again, this is a lot of learning through trial and error, uh, and having experienced, like hardships and struggles and weight and things pulling in different directions. And you're like, I just kind of gotten to that point where I'm like, you know what, is this worth my time and energy? That's the question I would like to throw back is like, 
if you're in a situation and you're struggling, you're upset, you're sad, really think about it and look at different things. And you're like, is this worth your time and energy? Is this worth your time? Andy Weeding, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. To learn more about everything we talked about, including all the sponsor links, and don't forget that Donna Marathon Weekend VIP getaway that you want to enter to win. We are announcing a winner on December 1st, so you're going to want to enter to win that before December 1st. All of that will be linked in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on the I'll Have Another tab, and that'll bring you to the most recent show notes of the episode of the podcast. Uh, If you want to check out Andy on Instagram, he's Andrew Weeding over there. If you want to check out what I'm up to over there, just go to lindsayhine626 on Instagram. Thanks so much for being here, and we will see you next week on I'll Have Another.